Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Inspiring Leadership Podcast. And I have a guest all the way from Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, my favorite town. And um, what an amazing job this man has done. He has been training up thousands of people to be excellent speakers, giving them the gifts and the skills so that they're self-sufficient. He's teaching them how to fish rather than just giving them a fish so they can then be speakers around the world. Without further ado, I'll let him introduce himself. Jonathan, thanks for letting me hang out with you. Grant Baldwin here, uh, founder of the Speaker Lab, and uh, honor and delight to hang out with you. I know we're going to be talking all things uh, speaking and leadership, and so looking forward to our, our conversation today. Thank you very much indeed, Grant. Um, yeah, speaking is a, a real passion of mine, and it's a passion of yours. And, and linked into that is speaking about leadership and helping people be better leaders. Goodness, we've seen in your politicians and in mine in the UK some appalling leadership lately. And, true. and uh, more than ever, we need good leaders and we need people to be motivated through these very tough times from whether it be wars and eco economic problems and mm -hmm. uh, environmental problems. But uh, for you, what does inspiring leadership grant mean? And, 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 you know, would you give a couple of examples of people, you know, you might even mention them by name who have qualities that you find inspiring? Yeah, I think uh, inspiring leadership really involves uh, uh, inspiring people to be better versions of themselves and how that contributes to a greater good or greater cause of some form. So I'll give you an example. If we go way back in time, um, I was really involved in my local church uh, when I was in high school and my youth pastor had a really big impact on my life. And, and he was an incredibly inspiring leader to me. And in multiple ways, he inspired me in terms of uh, me just, again, wanting to be a better version of myself and wanting to level up in my own leadership abilities, but also, you know, my, my role within the, the, the youth group, there were several hundred uh, students there and just being a leader uh, to uh, inspire others, uh, peers and, and other students that were in that, that youth group at the time. Uh, but just looking for opportunities and ways that I could, I could continue to uh, inspire others to lead others. And that's, you know, translated to today within our, within our company. So at the leader, at the, the speaker lab, we've got, we've got about 30 some team members within the company. And so part of a big part of my responsibility is making sure that I'm providing inspiring leadership to them on a day in and day out basis. Uh, one thing that we, we talk a lot about within the company. And one thing I've done some speaking on is the idea that who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. Meaning, you know, Jonathan, if you and I are, are great speakers or podcasters or entrepreneurs, or whatever it may be, but we drop the ball as husbands, as dads, as human beings. If we are the shell of a person, then we are doing it wrong. And so one of the things I want to try to do as an inspiring leader, hopefully with, with our team and with others, is to inspire them that, again, who they are is more important than what they do, to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Yeah, I really like that. There was um, a guy who was trying to get on, to, uh, on the podcast himself, actually. He uh, was recommended by someone else. And, and just the interaction I had with them was such a bad experience that I went, this is not an inspiring leadership experience. I don't yeah. think this is a good fit. Let's let it go. Because I, I think the way you treat people in the small things matters in the big things. Absolutely. Uh, and, and someone taught me TNT, tiny noticeable things, that the little things that you do, 
people are learning you, Grant. They're not learning uh, what you say and fine words. And, and we've seen this too often with public figures and politicians. They say great words, but actually you then unearth a completely, a completely double life that they're yeah. living and you go, how does this fit? Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're all perfect. We're not. And, and I'm sure in your own experience, Grant, you've found you've made many mistakes and you've learned from them. But I, I think it's it's the admission early on that you've you've made a mistake, apology and a, a genuine intention to better yourself and learn from it, learning and action. Um, what's what's your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, one thing I, I always try to remember uh, and I, I remind others of is that everybody is trying their best. Everyone is working what they've got and trying to improve as they go, but just doing their best. And so any, you know, anybody that you look up to, that you admire, that you respect, uh, they're, they're doing their best. They're doing their best in their in their profession, in their craft, whatever it is they're doing, they're doing their best as a, uh, as a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad, as a son or as a daughter and, and their leadership roles and whatever it may be, they're, they're doing their best. And so having a lot of grace and a lot of um, compassion for other people, I think certainly goes a long way to understanding like, listen, they may have dropped the ball today, but at that moment they were, you know, they were doing their best and they screwed up and I'm going to screw up and I'm going to drop the ball. There's times where I feel like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm doing a decent job as a leader. And there's times you're just like, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Uh, but the reality is, is like every day, at least I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm giving my best. And some days it works, some days it doesn't, but uh, continuing to, I think, have that type of, of grace toward others is important i i would agree with you and i, I think it's a russian saying trust but verify mm -hmm. um that that i'm always looking for the best in people and working hard not to be judgmental about people how how can i understand their life have i walked a mile in their shoes have i experienced it? and at the same time i've been stung a number of times by the white collar psychopath the the, the person or sometimes they come into charities or they love power and status and, and, and they get themselves into senior roles and they just love really breaking people down psychologically, yeah. breaking them, lying. And, and you see this in, in, in a lot lately. We've had a lot within the UK with our politicians. You're just, just lying consistently. And, and you go, I trusted you and, and you yeah. lied to me. I think it was in National Lampoon's Animal House when the guy wrecked a car that he promised he was going to look out. He goes, so you messed up. You trusted me. You know, and you think, no, that shouldn't be the right attitude. Right. But I, I think you're exactly right. And I would add the caveat that sometimes in life, there are people who actually do mean ill. I mean, look at Putin with invading Ukraine and, you know, no, right. no, I'm not going to. But in he goes and, and you go, but I trusted you. I thought you weren't going to do this. And so at the same time, we mustn't be naive and we have to be prepared for sometimes people do evil things and people lie and people cheat and mm -hmm. steal and kill. But yes, I think I'm with you that generally I'm looking for the best in people. Um, your life journey is a, a, an interesting one. I, I know that certainly, you know, you married your high school sweetheart. You've got three beautiful daughters. Um, but what has shaped you from from birth? What has shaped you? What kind of events? Uh, what kind of people um, into the leader you are today? Uh, as the founder and CEO of the Speaker Lab. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think growing up, I, my parents have certainly both had a big impact in my life. Um, uh, unfortunately, my parents both, uh, they, well, they split up um, when I was about 13, 14 or so. Uh, so that was definitely like a big pivotal moment just in, in my life at the time. I didn't really know anybody else who whose parents were split up. Uh, so that was um, that was certainly like a, a big defining moment. And I think it certainly impacted my wife and I's marriage today. So we've been we've been together 25 years, been married for 20 years. And their uh, her her parents split up as well, and so it's a, a big thing that we recognize, like uh, not only from the um, being the the children of divorced parents, um, but also just having experienced that and seeing like the 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 the, um, the damage that that has potentially done to our parents as individuals now, as they kind of you know find their new way and find their identity um, outside of that. And so I think it, it certainly helped us to say, hey, we're we're all in on this. We're going to make this work, not only for uh, our, our children and for our family, but for ourselves. Um, and so we've been you know very very committed to our marriage because of that. Uh, yeah. I'd say I'd say another uh, another. Quick example would also again that that youth pastor like he had a huge huge profound impact in my life and someone that really invested in me and believed in me poured into me, um, and you know uh, saw the leadership potential that maybe I didn't recognize within myself and so I think that was encouraging and affirming especially especially early on. Yeah, and it is so interesting, isn't it? That sometimes I mean my wife and I have got four children, and uh, they're now aged twenty seven to thirty, and we've got two grandchildren as well. But it is interesting, both my wife and I, our parents were killed when we were about, uh, I was two and a half and my wife was about uh, three or four. And that has a huge impact on you as well. Yeah. I, um, she and I are doing a couples uh, course together because we're always interested in learning and growing as two coaches. I mean, imagine being married to a fellow coach and a fellow speaker. Um, but it, it's interesting. It's an American program started by a guy called Bob Hoffman. And it's called the Hoffman Institute. And, and so we're going together as a, a, a couple to do a weekend retreat. And then I'm going to do a seven day retreat with the Institute about your childhood and everything that happened to you at mm -hmm. that key stage when you were 13 to 14, when your parents divorced. You know, who were your primary caregivers and, and how did they influence you? And, and how has that affected the behavior that people are experiencing today, Grant, with you and the way you lead the, the 30 people as your team members, the way you speak and get on stage and and the very live stories that you share and how you make it very real for people. Um, how do you find that you tend to make, as a speaker yourself, your stories so relatable, so real, and so connected to your audience? Yeah, I think one thing that's important to note, like as a speaker, you are a human talking to a collection of other humans. And so one thing I always tell speakers is act like a human. Yeah, I, I think a, a mistake that some speakers make is, uh, uh, I think we've all seen this before, where speakers can be very, very uh, robotic, very formulaic, and they're kind of like so deep in their head trying to, you know, like regurgitate some type of script that they, they have uh, trying to internalize. And so they are, are just like, uh, going through this manuscript in their mind. And then they, I, I need to take five steps over here and then I need to move my hands like this. And I, just like, it's completely, uh, completely scripted. And it just doesn't feel as raw. It doesn't feel as, as natural and authentic. And so as a human speaking to a collection of humans act like a human. And so what that means in terms of storytelling is I, I love using, uh, I love using stories and I, I would, coach any speaker to, to lean toward first person stories and stories that you've lived stories that you have experienced. Now there's nothing wrong with sharing, you know, like here's 
here's some story from, you know, the early 1900s, or here's something, here's some case study about some company and something that they did. But I think, again, humans relate to stories. And so if I said one of my favorite opening bits for a story is just to say, let me tell you a story. Because as soon as you say, let me tell you a story, an audience is immediately going to be drawn into that. They're going to lean into that. They want to know, I don't know, is this, is this going to be funny? Is this going to be sad? Is this going to be depressing? Is this going to be inspiring? Is this going to be encouraging? Is this going to be tragic? I have zero clue, but it's a story and I'm interested in seeing where this goes. And so stories are really powerful. But again, I think especially when they're told from a first person point of view. So for example, uh, I, I share stories on uh, my first car and my very first car was just a piece of junk. And the reality is, is every audience member had a first car at some point and, and some of them were decent. Some of them, probably most of them were pieces of junk. And so it's something we can relate to. I, I tell a story about one time uh, being with my wife and my daughters at Disney World and something just funny, silly that happened with my girls, you know, and uh, I tell a story about going skydiving one time. And some of these just like random, like life type of stories, but they're things that the audience can connect to and things that they can relate to because they are a human as well, who've had these same similar human experiences. So yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of stories. And again, leaning toward telling first person stories that you've lived and experienced. Definitely. And um, one of the challenges I had from my own speaker coach was 30 days, 30 stories. In the next 30 days, capture 30 stories from things that are happening to you now yeah. in the in the moment. And I think there's quite a close relationship. We have a funny comedian in the UK, but maybe uh not come across him in in America yet, but uh, Michael McIntyre is his name. And, and he looks at situations that happen to him. It might be his, his children, you know, and like they're all leaving to get in the car and one's got one shoe on and no shoe yeah. on the other foot. Where's your jumper? And go back upstairs and get it and come on. you know. And then he, he jokes about his friends who are married but have no kids and they drive by and they go oh look darling a lovely restaurant let's go in there yeah let's park up and go in there we can't do that the kids screaming and shouting one day we'll go there you know they're right. never going to get the chance to go there with the you know two-year-old and a seven-year-old pulling a pulling each other's hair and things like that so i think you're quite right to to be able to it, it, it's almost see a situation and not necessarily see the humor in it but see the story in it what's yeah. the what's the the learning and, and what's the way that you can make it into three points that you can bring across to people? Keep it simple. I agree. Um, in your life, happiest uh, moment uh, and what you learned from it. I'm sure there's a story in that one. And proudest moment. Uh, sorry, uh, happiest moment, which is probably linked with proudest moment. And also a, a, a tough moment. It could, it could be linked to your parents' divorce or anything in your life and what you learned from it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, some of the, the obvious answers that come to mind as far as like happiest proudness are, you know, the day I got married, the day I proposed to my wife, the the times when my uh, my daughters were born and and just those type of of personal satisfaction moments of like, wow, this is like, this is a truly transformational, you know, impactful moment <laughs> that I'll never forget and has really, you know, shaped and changed who I am today. So, you know, I, I love uh, yeah, as going back to that idea of, who you are is more important than what you do. I love being a speaker. I love being an entrepreneur. I love the work that I get to do with our team and, and uh, speakers we work with on a daily basis. But by far, the most important roles in my world are, are being a good husband, being a good father. So those type of moments and experiences that um, uh, have allowed me to have an impact to uh, in, in my wife and in my marriage and with my daughters and within our family like that, that's incredibly important. Um, profound. So I'm really, really proud of that. Uh, I'm really proud of the, um, 
the, the company, the speaker lab and the work that we do and the impact that we're making. I mean, we, we've worked with thousands of speakers all over the world. And so on a daily basis, we hear from speakers on how what they have learned and the, the coaching that we've provided, uh, how it's impacted them, how it shaped their business. And so there's a, a real ripple effect to that so that whenever they go speak to audiences that we had a very, very, very small part of the impact that they are making. So yeah, th those are the things that um, certainly come to mind. It's just um, uh, things that I'm proud of and, and, and powerful moments in my life. As far as things that have been, uh, you know, really shaped me, um, I'll give you one kind of different one that, that comes to mind. I remember uh, I was speaking full time and I was doing 60, 70 gigs a year. And this was probably, it was probably eight, nine years ago or so. And I got to a point where I just, I kind of felt bored and like business was going well. And it was, it was in fact, it was going really well, uh, but I, I just felt bored. And so I remember I was uh, speaking at something uh, here in the U.S. And and um, I was, uh, there was a, a speaker friend of mine who's probably 20 years older than me or so, just kind of a, a mentor figure. He's been in the speaking industry for many, many decades. Uh, I just have a huge admiration and respect for him. And he's been very, very successful as a speaker, but also like just a, a great husband, great father, just a great family man and uh, really checks all the kind of boxes of, all right, here's, here's the kind of guy that I want to be like when I grow up. And so I remember talking with him and a, a, a great piece of advice that he gave me was you want to regularly find things where the challenge exceeds the skill set where the challenge exceeds the skill set. Meaning when I remember when I first started speaking, I felt way over my head. I had no idea what I'm doing and the challenge way exceeded the skill set. But what happens is over time it flips and the skill set exceeds the challenge. And so uh, I, I, I felt comfortable where I could hop up on a stage in front of a thousand people and could deliver an amazing talk and I would just be bored and I would be on autopilot because the skill set had exceeded the challenge. And so his point was you have to regularly find yourself uh, and, and put yourself in situations where the challenge exceeds the skill set, where you feel like you're you're just outside of your comfort zone, not in an unhealthy or unsustainable way, but feeling like, dang, that's a, that's a big mountain, but I'm, I'm confident I can get there. Uh, uh, and it's uh, and it's it's going to take some work and some effort, but finding yourself in those spots. And so that was a definitely like a, a real pivotal moment for me that really kind of shaped in the the trajectory of my own career and what I wanted to do in, in terms of of work and business. So what do you so the, the, you were doing very well, uh, seventy gigs, um, but what made it a, a dark moment? The fact that you were just getting bored. How did what was your learning to actually make sure that you you exceeded the uh, the challenge what 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 did you do what did you ramp up yeah i think it was like a it was a moment where i'd climbed to the top of the mountain so to speak in terms of speaking in that particular industry and what i was doing um you know and really in order to to earn more you either had to do one of two things either you had to just do more gigs and just from a volume standpoint which that wasn't really appealing or you had to charge more and and in that particular time I, the industry that i was in uh, i did a lot of speaking in the education space a lot with high school college students uh, parents and teachers uh, and so I was kind of on the upper end of what uh, what I could charge in that market. So I didn't necessarily feel like, all right, I want to just go somewhere different and start over. Um, so the the I guess kind of the um, not necessarily a dark time, but just one of the um, uh, foundational um, pivotal moments for me was just going like, all right, things are going really, really well. And yet I'm bored and something feels off here. And so one of the, the great pieces of advice he also gave me as it relates to the, the challenge and the skill set was he said, there, there are people that are, are meant to be speakers and people that will be speakers for the, their entire careers. And he was a great example of that. He had been a speaker for decades. Uh, what, he still what speaks What was his name? Ton. What's his name? Uh, Phil Boyd. 
B-O-Y-T-E. Phil is a phenomenal guy. And so he still does a, a ton of gigs to this day. Uh, and he's a phenomenal speaker. Uh, and so, but he said to me, he said, Grant, I, I don't necessarily think of you as a speaker. I think of you as an entrepreneur who happens to be really good at speaking. Uh, and that was again, kind of just helpful for me being like, oh, I, I, I do feel like I'm an entrepreneur and I do love entrepreneurship and I do love business. And so that, you know, is a pivotal moment to kind of help shape and turn toward a, a lot of what we do today in terms of working with speakers and helping, you know, uh, helping speakers establish a business where they can make an impact and an income from their message. So, yeah, I still vividly remember like that time as just a a, a real pivotal uh, conversation and, and turning point for me. And so Phil's advice, here you are, you're doing what you want. You stretch yourself out, you're training thousands of other people, sending them out to the world to do a similar thing. So that's fantastic. And you mentioned you got uh, three daughters. What sort of age are they now? Uh, 16, 14 and 11. Okay. So imagine when you were 16, Grant, um, what bit of advice would you give to the young Grant Baldwin? Knowing what you know now, having been through all the experiences, the successes and the blunders and the mistakes and the learning that's come with that, what bit of advice would you give? Don't do this, do that. What would what advice would you give? Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point in my life, I was talking with someone about this yesterday that there there is nothing that I would change about my life. Uh, there, you know, when you you think through like, hey, what are your biggest failures or your biggest regrets? I, I think sometimes I have a hard time coming up with those, not because they don't exist, but because they're in the rearview mirror. I, I can't do anything about them at this point. And so, everything that has happened in my life up until this point, the good, bad, the ugly has led to this moment and led to where I'm at now. And I really, really like my life. I feel incredibly, incredibly grateful for where I'm at, not because I was given some magical golden ticket. I've, I've worked really hard to have the kind of life uh, and business and family that I have, but I just feel really grateful for it. And so everything that has happened has led to this. So if anything, I would say going back to 16 year old Grant, I, I would say, hey, man, just chill out, enjoy the journey. It's going to be all right. I think sometimes I remember early on and even to a degree today, you're always just kind of like, but what's next? And, and how's it all going to work out? And is everything going to be okay? And can I just peek around the corner? It's just like, dude, just chill out, man. You're going to be all right. It's going to be fine. Just keep putting your head down, keep doing the work, keep showing up uh, and things will be all right. So I think that'd be a big thing is just enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey and, and not always thinking about tomorrow or what comes next, or is it all going to work out? It's going to be fine regardless. And you're going to be okay. So just chill out. You'll be fine. I, I think that's such wise advice to yourself. Uh, and it was advice I needed to give myself. I'm 60 now. How old are you, Grant? I'm 40. Yeah. Well, you got many years yet uh, to make a few more blunders like I have, but looking back on my life, I think I, I took myself too seriously. And, mm -hmm. and I remember an old Sergeant major in the army, the British army saying to me, don't take yourself so damn seriously. You know, you just like, yeah. It, no one else takes themselves so seriously. You you don't need to take yourself so seriously. They don't they don't take you seriously. So don't worry about it. Um, I, I think what you touched on is a really important thing for so many of us. The the whole idea of appreciation and gratitude. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been enjoying listening to a very good speaker, an Australian, uh, Hugh van Koylenberg, and he's written a book called, or he's got a business called The Resilience Project, which I, I recommend you listen to his audio book. He's he's really interesting. I'm going to get him on the podcast next year. Um, and, uh, he was saying this, this whole thing about appreciating the very small things in life, mm -hmm. just every moment, like you and I, here I am. I mean, I love podcasts. I love meeting interesting people like you hearing about your life, what you've done, what shaped you, why you do what you do, the, those life, life moments, the highs and the lows and, and what shaped you so that I can pass those skills and knowledge on to other people. And, and so, you know, 
you're you're very grateful that you're in the moment in the zone mm-hmm. um how much is gratitude appreciation a key part of you and your life you have with your wife and your children it's a massive part a massive massive part and i don't think i can understate that or overstate that enough that uh i i just feel uh incredibly incredibly grateful that i i have a life that if i look back to when i was 16 i'd be like man that sounds amazing there's no way that's going to happen but i i have an amazing marriage um an amazing wife uh, awesome kids a, a successful business like i i enjoy the team that we work with the work that we're doing like um uh uh, I have great relationships, I've, uh, a great um, uh, extended family, and like think like things are really good. And again, I don't hear what I'm not saying. Like life is not perfect by any means, and there are days that are stressful and days that are are super bumpy and hard. And um, but like that, uh, just as a as a on the whole, I, I just feel incredibly incredibly grateful for life and uh, the 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 kind of life that I have. And it's not um, it's not a given. It's not a guarantee. Like it could all crumble and fall apart tomorrow, or uh, I could do something stupid, or I could get you know some disease, or, or God forbid, hit, hit by a bus, or any number of things could happen. But I know in this moment, uh, in terms of my life and just kind of the present day, I, I feel incredibly incredibly grateful for um, for what what's happened and, and where we're at. Yeah, and I think you touch on a, a very good point that, particularly as a speaker, your audience don't want to think this guy Grant Baldwin. I mean, he's just like everything in his life is golden. You know, he has no problems. It's just all going like a dream. How can I relate to him with my messed up life and all my problems that I've got? So I think as a speaker, you have to be able to without without trying to victimize yourself. You have to be able to make a connection that actually not everything is perfect, and you have. You're very much a very much a human person with an incomplete life and errors that you make, and the, much of the learning comes from those. Um, and, and I want to sort of go around the Inspiring Leadership Compass, the research that we did about what makes high-performing leaders and teams. And the first one is the moral quotient, which is something which is, I think, with your pastor and your church background, mm-hmm. a, a key part of your life. You know, the true north that makes you authentically you. Uh, the integrity, the values, the belief system you have, what you will do and what you won't do. But yet, you know, we all slip from that true north at times. We make mistakes. We aren't perfect. What, what do you do to get yourself back on track when you've you've not stuck to your values and your principles? Yeah, you're, you alluded to, uh, I mean, my, my faith is a big part of my life um, in terms of just that that true north and that that north star, that compass that really guides me. And um, and yeah, there are certainly days where I, I drop the ball and I make mistakes and I'm, I'm, I do a poor job as a, as a husband or as a dad or as a, as a boss. Um, and so I think like when, when those days coming, also, like you said, uh, you, you touched on earlier, like not taking yourself so seriously, where realizing and recognizing it, at the end of the day, like I am still human and I am going to make mistakes. And there are times where I'm, I'm going to do something wrong. I'm going to make the wrong decision, or I'm going to, uh, you know, get frustrated in the heat of the moment, or some, or some, whatever may happen. And so, giving yourself some level of, of grace there, and know like, hey, you know, tomorrow's a new day, or pick yourself back up and and dust yourself off and keep moving on. So, uh, I think also just surrounding yourself with with uh, uh, coaches, mentors, people in life that can continue to push you, challenge you, make you better, uh, has also been another thing that's been incredibly helpful and, and defining for me. Yeah, uh, really well put. And and I think it's quite interesting for those who, who are listening, they go, you know, how how do they, you know, they work so hard at work trying to be perfect and live all the values. And then they almost 
many people go home and they drop the guard. They like, oh, I've worked hard, so hard at work. And then they get grumpy at home with the, the partner and the children. And they, yeah. they just, they're just tired and their reserves slip away. What, what advice would you give them in those circumstances? Yeah, I, I recognize certainly that like, that can happen. There are certainly days where that's been the case for me. It's just been a long day. It's a busy season. I think one question that I, I think about a lot is when I'm in a busy season, I always like to ask, is this a season or is this the way it is? Is this a season or is this the way it is? Meaning there are times in life that are just busier than others, where uh, if you're in retail, the, the closer we get to the holidays, November, December, it's just busy. There's just a lot going on, right? But it's not always going to be like that. And there are seasons in anybody's work. Uh, when I was speaking full time, there are just some seasons and stretches that were just busier than others, but it's not always like that. But it's important to, uh, to, to take a, kind of take a look back and say, hey, is this a season or is this the way it is? Because if you're just like, I feel swamped and I feel overwhelmed, I'm not present for my family. And, um, uh, and I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Like that's not a good thing. So when we talk about like this idea of balance, I don't think that it's, it, everything's going to be perfectly aligned and in balance all the time. It's, it's more like a teeter totter where sometimes something's going to be out of whack on one side, something's going to be out of whack on the other side. And it's kind of balances back and forth. And it's maybe, you know, skewed up or down one way or the other, just depending on the season. And so kind of looking at where you're at and kind of what's going on there. But I, I definitely agree that, uh, when I have a stressful day at work or I'm in a stressful season of, of work or whatever it may be that when I, I work from home. And so whenever I leave my home office to go out to interact with my wife and my girls, that I still have a responsibility to be on as dad or as husband and to make sure that I'm still giving the, giving them my best. Now, my wife and I have a great relationship where she knows, like, if I've had a, you know, a rough day or a rough couple of days or something that I may just need, like, uh, I may need a minute, like, Hey, let me just catch my breath here. Let me go for a walk around the, the block or something. And just kind of like, all right, let me like make that mental transition from work mode into, you know, dad, husband mode. Uh, and so, you know, recognizing that, making sure that your, your partner can recognize that. Um, but again, at the same time, like I, I know that, uh, I want to be able to bring my best to, to my wife, to my kids, to my family. Uh, and so whatever the, whatever mental transition I need to do there to, to, to help in showing up fully for them is, is important to do. Yeah, it's well put. And, and it's interesting that a number of speakers that I know are pushing themselves so hard to get out to different gigs around the place, particularly my American friends are flying a lot, flying, 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 particularly in the education sector. You know, this seems to be a busy season right now. You know, they're going mm -hmm. to speak and get the teachers up to speed with their speaking. And, and they're frazzled. They're absolutely frazzled from all the flights. And of course, then the flights are delayed and there's problems with the flights and there's not enough uh, flight staff. And so certain flights are canceled. So their lives are in some quite turmoil. So then there's others who do virtual speaking where they like we're doing now. They do it over Zoom or whatever it is. What's your own view on the sort of real versus virtual speaking? I mean, real speaking, clearly you're doing the whole lot. You're there with everybody. Is there a place for for virtual speaking when when there's a big audience out there, but you're not with them, you're in another location. Does that work or what? what is your experiences of that? Yeah, it absolutely works. I mean, there's pros and cons with it for sure. And so, you know, if we look at kind of zoom out for a second, you know, pre-pandemic, the the uh, virtual speaking wasn't really a thing. It wasn't something that a, a lot of speakers did. It wasn't something that a lot of events did. It wasn't anything that anybody really took seriously. Well, then the pandemic hits and all of a sudden, like all live events come to a screeching halt. And, and so then at that point, 
uh, Zoom and virtual become really the only game in town. And so it's something that everybody kind of pivots towards and shifts to. And what we have seen has happened is that as live events have come back, they're not coming back in replacement of virtual events, but they're coming back in addition to virtual events. And so what that means is there's an incredible amount of supply of events that are looking for high quality speakers and looking for uh, for for speakers who can still provide a good message. And so maybe there were events that historically would have been in person and now they're doing in person and virtual, or maybe they've never done an in-person event, but they're willing to do a virtual event. And so there are a lot of opportunities for virtual speaking that again, largely didn't exist pre-pandemic. Now, again, to your question though, is, you know, is, is it, is in-person, you know, better or worse than virtual? Well, I think at this point, like there's, there's certainly like a, a lot of zoom fatigue and looking at someone on a screen, uh, is certainly not the same experience as sitting in the, in, the, in a room with them and hearing them. Whenever you're looking at a screen, you also have a lot of other distractions of, of email or notifications or things that may be popping up on your radar that you may be able to, you know, be distracted by. You can turn your camera off. There's any number of things that you can do that may cause you to not be as engaged with the, the presentation. But at the same time, it also allows you to reach a, a different and bigger audience that maybe wouldn't be able to, to, to come to an event and see you in person. And so there, there's absolutely like the, there's pros and cons. It's not necessarily that one is better or worse than the other. There's just they're, they're, they're both good for different reasons. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I once upon a time wanted to be you know, a broadcaster for the BBC and go down to London and you know, do certain shows. Actually, I'm really grateful to be able to do it from the benefit of my home here in Lincolnshire without having to travel anywhere. And actually, you know, they have to pay me well to get me to go out and do a speaking event right. because it, it's no advantage to me to do so. I'd actually I, I actually much rather be in the comfort of my own home, being able to engage with people. But um, let's let's go on to the next of the eight components, which is purpose and meaning. PQ, purpose quotient. What gives your life meaning and purpose and and what tip would you give people about you know their search for a sense of meaning and purpose in the work they do yeah i think uh i think again i'd go back to a couple of things i've touched on here uh, my, my faith is a huge you know guiding um point of, of purpose for me knowing that my my life is making an impact and a difference um and so, you know, the the quest for more and just to climb the mountain, I, I think it, it's it's so often that people climb the mountain and get to the top only to realize, like, what was the point? You know, I, I beat the game, but so what? Uh, and so I, I think that 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 has been a certainly a big part of a guiding purpose for me. I, I'd say also just, again, my roles as, as husband and father. I know I keep saying that, but that's definitely, uh, again, a, a real big part of that. So for, you know, for my wife. I mean, she had a vote, she had a choice, but she stuck with me at this point. And, but my girls, my daughters, they, they didn't have a vote. They, they came into the world and they got stuck with me as their dad. And so they, I got one shot to be a dad to them. And so I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing a phenomenal job just to, to, to love, serve, uh, care for, protect and guide them and provide an, uh, an awesome life for them and, and, uh, um, show them how to have an awesome life as well. So yeah, I'd say my faith and my family are, are big parts of just kind of the, the, the guiding uh, purpose for my life. That's, that's very clear. And then your tip for other people as they're looking for their own sense of maybe they feel a bit rudderless at the moment and they haven't got a sense of meaning in the work they do. It's it's just paying the mortgage. You know, it's uh, they're scrabbling around. They're just waiting for retirement. There must be more to it than that. How, how have you helped people find their purpose? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think a big part of it does come back to, again, what I just touched on as it relates to faith. I, I think that, you know, that people are going to disappoint you. People are going to fail you. Uh, business is going to uh, have highs and lows and it's going to let you down. But I, I found personally for my my faith, um, my faith in God has had a huge impact and just like kind of that that's, uh, that steadfastness and steadiness of life uh, through the highs and lows, knowing like, um, there's nothing wrong with trying to climb the mountain, but that's not going to, that's not going to satisfy me at the end of the day. And so I can, I can make a bunch of money and I can also be an, an amazing husband, dad, and have a success, be a successful business owner, but that's not going to, that's not going to fill my cup. Um, and so I know that, uh, there are limitations to those things, nothing wrong with pursuing those things, but, um, it, it may, uh, some of the things that I think we may end up trying to pursue may end up being dead ends. Yeah, th th that's a lovely one. And the next one round is health questions. So uh, your mental health, your physical health, your wellness. So what I'd call the eat, move, sleep, breathe, mindfulness, focus. Um, what would be your tips for physical health and mental health that have served you well that you'd pass on to others who are listening? Yeah, I think uh, I think really having a, a big intentionality around it. So I'll give you an example. When I, I started this year, we're recording this in 2022. When I started this year, um, I went into the year feeling like I just I feel like I need to lose some weight uh, and uh, I'm in decent shape and I'm sort of active, but I still feel like I, I could lose a little bit of weight. And uh, so uh, I, I actually hired a health coach that helped me really develop some some good discipline around eating and exercise and um, stayed super diligent with that. And so fast forward and I, I've lost 30 pounds this year wow. and feel in, in great shape and, and feel like uh, it's definitely made a, a difference in um, how I look and feel. Uh, and a big part of that is uh, uh, being diligent around the, the food I eat. But a, a big thing that, that's really helped me like in the past several months is um, uh, is finding fun and finding joy in, in exercise. And so what I mean by that is uh, I play a lot of a, a silly game. I don't know if you, you've played over there uh, called pickleball. Have you ever played pickleball or heard I've, of pickleball? I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. Yeah. It's become a very popular sport. It's kind of like miniature tennis or large version of ping pong it's just a it's a it's just a, a fun game and so i play i play pickleball with some friends uh three four days a week and we'll play for two hours and i'll burn a thousand twelve hundred calories and just be sweating a ton but just you're just playing a game you know whether it's, it's basketball or you know rugby or whatever it may be but just doing something that gets you active that moves so when i when i i finished playing pickleball for two hours i know like boy i, I just i did a lot of exercise i did a lot of work there but it also like I just, that was a ton of fun and I can't wait to do it again tomorrow. So literally right before we started recording, I was texting with a friend like, Hey, we playing again tonight. Like I, I just look forward to it. And so having something that is just, that is less work and more play, uh, is certainly can, can be something that can have an impact in your, your physical health. I would agree. My wife and I have put a, we've just bought a simple badminton net. We've got a mm -hmm. couple of badminton rackets Yeah, that, that you can fit into your back. The Americans, you call it your backyard, our back garden. Yeah. And, uh, and we can play that and the dog darts between the two of us and he gets a, a workout as well. What about what about mental health? Um, Grant, for you, what would be your tip on, on people looking after their their brain health? Yeah, I think one thing would just be uh, surrounding yourself with people who are also healthy people and uh, surrounding yourself with people who um, uh, who are are healthy in a variety of different ways in their relationships and their outlook on life. Uh, I've heard that that we've probably all heard that Jim Rohn quote of "You're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with." And so you're like think through the who are those five people that you spend the most time with, and how is that impacting your psyche and your mental well being, your mental health. Uh, and so I want to surround myself with with positive, optimistic people. It doesn't mean that we're naive or stick our head in the sand or pretend like life 
is perfect. But as a general rule, like I, that the glass is much more half full than it ever is half empty. And so being around those type of people, I think certainly makes a difference in terms of my own mental health and well-being. Yeah, I, I do agree. And um, over time, you constantly need to review and just check who, who you're with. Are they are they a radiator of life, love and happiness or are they mm -hmm. an absolute drain and they suck the life out of you rather than be inspiring? They're expiring. They're they're like Harry Potter's Dementors. They're taking your soul from you. You don't want that, do you? Um, which leads me on nicely to the next one, EQ, which is uh, well known for you in your field, emotional and social intelligence, um, that ability to know yourself, to know others and to read the environment. What, what's your tip for people about developing their EQ? I mean, you have to have great EQ as a speaker and, mm -hmm. and in relating to people you're coaching to become great speakers. What, what's your tip on EQ? Yeah, I think it's really important to develop a really healthy self-awareness and uh, recognize like when when uh, what are the areas where you're dropping the ball and be realistic with yourself on those things. Um, sometimes that's something, again, you can kind of notice in yourself. And sometimes that's something where you need that outside perspective that you're you're uh, maybe a blind spot for you. And so there's a um, uh, there's uh, a mastermind that I'm a part of with a couple other guys that we talk on a daily basis. Uh, I have massive trust and confidence in those guys. Those guys know me really, really well. And so uh, there's times where they may call me out on something. There's also a, a coach that I work with uh, on a monthly basis. We get together for lunch and a guy that... Uh, um, probably 20, 25 years older than me. Another one of those guys I just look up to admire respect. And, and so we get together and, and, um, we talk some business, but we talk a lot on, uh, personally, just being a good husband, being a good father, being a good human being. And, uh, what are my, what are my blind spots? What am I missing? He asked me good questions, things to challenge me, things to think about. Uh, and so I think, uh, again, continually surrounding yourself and having your own, uh, self-awareness of, of where you're at and, and where your shortcomings are. Mm, no, I, I think, it's the bit that marks out those who are really exceptional from average, their their ability to listen well and to be okay with who they are and be constantly learning and growing and be prepared to receive feedback. A lot of people find it quite hard to receive feedback and they tend to shoot the messenger. Mm -hmm. uh, I've come across that once where I uh, gave a CEO some feedback from uh, 20 people didn't like the feedback that he was getting. So he fired me. Uh, it's the only time I've been fired by a CEO, I quickly add, but it's a few years back. But um, he did afterwards admit that perhaps he should have listened and learned a bit from that. But that's yeah. one of those things you've got to have the courage to speak truth to power and mm -hmm. tell the emperor he's not wearing any clothes right. because no one else is doing that. And that was half the problem. He he was just so, so far up his own rear end that he just couldn't actually see how other people experienced him. Um, the next one round is CQ, um, what I'd call collaborative, cognitive and cultural intelligence, you know, understanding how to get the, the thinking of different people, understanding different people's perspectives, people from different backgrounds, faiths, um, sexual orientation, whatever it might be. What's your top tip on this one in what I'd call cultural intelligence? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think. Uh, one way I, I've done a decent job of this as it relates to uh, what we do within the speaker lab. And so within our company, um, I recognize like I, I'm the face. I'm, I may be the voice and face right here on the podcast. My name may be on the cover of the book. I may be the host of our own podcast. But one thing I tell the team all the time is uh, two things. One is this is not the grant show. And so I, I don't want it, uh, everything. I don't want to be the bottleneck. And and I recognize like 
uh, if we're just, if people are just hearing from me, they're hearing one voice and one perspective, and that's not necessarily healthy. So I remind the team all the time, this is not the grant show. And the other thing is whenever I talk about the speaker lab and I talk about what we're doing, I always talk about it in terms of us, we, our, I don't talk about it. Like I, I own the company. I own 100% of, of the speaker lab. Um, I'm the CEO, I'm the founder. And so I, I can use I, me, mine, but it, I don't, I don't think of it like that because it's not just me. It's, it's a collection of all of us. And so, uh, I always think in terms of we, us, our, and so in fact, just yesterday, uh, we had hired, we'd hired uh, five new team members last week. And so I was doing an orientation with two of them yesterday. And I said, Hey, listen, I know you just walked in the door, but you are just as much a part of this as anybody else who's been here for, for years and years and years. So recognizing like you, you, you can't live in isolation. You can't, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish or achieve, you can't do it on your own. You need others around you and uh, you don't want to use people or just have the, have others be a, a stepping stool for you to, you know, have your light shine a little bit brighter, but realize like a, it's a, it's a team effort uh and so we all get further together when we work together yeah now now you've been speaking for some years um and you've had your business going uh successfully for a while now but it, it isn't always plain sailing you have some highs and you have some lows and it doesn't mm -hmm. kind of work out exactly as you plan what's your tip on resilience uh in times of adversity what tip would you give to those listening yeah, you're you're exactly right that it uh, not every day is going to be perfect. Not every day is going to be smooth. Uh, and so I think if if um, if there's any one thing that you can say is is uh, just keep going, just keep moving forward, one one step in front of the other. And and remember again, uh, when when bad things happen, and it may be the cause, maybe your fault, maybe it's someone else's fault, but. Um, a reminder of like what we touched on earlier, everybody's doing their best. Everybody's figuring it out. Everybody's making up as they go. Uh, and so. Uh, tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a fresh start and recognize like, again, there's going to be highs and lows. So I know that if I'm in a rough season, it's most likely just a season. Maybe it's just a bad day. Maybe it's just a bad week. And it's not always going to be like that, but at this moment it feels like that. And that that's okay. Having a long-term perspective that in the, in the scheme of things, this is going to be a blip on the radar. It won't be something that you remember. Um, but just keep pushing through, keep moving on. Um, and, and things will, will tend to improve and turn around. Yeah, and and when in my days in the military working with the uh, my American military colleagues, we talk about after action reviews. Mm -hmm. Where when something happened, if even it went well, we'd do an after action review. If it did badly, we'd do an after action review. If it was just okay, in the you know what worked well, what would have made it even better, and and what is our learning and the action that we're going to take next time? Because you're quite right that you know tomorrow is a new day. Uh, I think some people take that as an excuse as to I'm just going to ignore all the mistakes and things that went on. I'm just going to close the door on that, move down the corridor and open another door and start all over again and, and learn nothing from what's happened before. But what's your approach to learning from what has happened to, to continually iterate? I mean, Kanban in the old Japanese style, constantly make things better. What, what approach would you recommend? Yeah, I think that's also where, uh, you know, at least like in the in the company where uh, involving a lot of other people and involving team members. And so when something when when something works or doesn't work or, you know, we've completed some project or whatever of looking back and determining what worked, why did that work? Is there is there what can we learn from that that we can do more of? How can we repeat that? Uh, there's something that didn't work. And so why didn't it work? And it didn't just work on in isolation, but there, you know, that was our, our theory of what we thought was going to happen just didn't play out. Or was there things that were outside of our control? What's inside of our control? And so, yeah, absolutely. I think it's always important to look at and review what worked, what didn't work and how do you improve? So for example, within the company, 
one thing that we do within our leadership team, it's myself and, and four others, uh, and we do um, uh, we do quarterly planning for each each quarter of the uh, of the year. And we do two things. One is we're looking forward, kind of setting um, uh, projections and targets and and, go and goals. We use a, a system called OKRs, Objectives and Key Results, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. basically plan out what we have, what projects we're going to be doing for the upcoming quarter. But um, before we even get to that point, we take the time to review the previous quarter. All right, we set uh, OKRs 90 days ago, and so how did we do? And so everybody within the within the the company there uh, is accountable for how did you said these were the targets you were going to hit, and you said these were the OKRs you were going to achieve. How did you do? Did you pass? Did you fail? What worked? What didn't work? Why didn't it work? What worked better than you expected? Why did that work? Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it's important that you you have both. We got to look back, figure out what worked, what didn't, uh, that we can learn from, and also looking ahead of what are our new targets, what are our new OKRs going forward. Mm, now, OKRs are a very good process, and a number of my clients uh, that I coach, the CEOs and their teams, use those. Um, thank you for that. The, the next one really is linked to that, and that's your brand, your reputation, your image, and your impact. As you say, it's not the it's not the grant show. However, um, some of the best CEOs I know, they're always open, and you've got your own coach, to getting 360 feedback done by an external independent person like a coach, about 20 people or so, people who you know work for you, clients, customers. I mean, as a speaker, you're always getting feedback. You know, your speakers sure. form at the end, they give you feedback on that. So when was the last time you had sort of feedback from the 30 people who work for you? And what did you learn from it about yourself? If there was one area that you know you need to work on? Yeah, one thing that uh, I do on a quarterly basis is I actually do one-on-one -on -one meetings with everybody within the company. And so uh, I just did did a couple the other day and they're, they're just quick 15, 20 minute meetings. And, and usually we don't even talk much work stuff. It's primarily like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on in life? Um, how are things going? Tell me about your family. You know, hey, oh, you tell me about your, your kid was doing this one thing last time we chatted. Tell me more about that. How did that go? Uh, and so I like to spend a lot of time just getting to know the team members and the the people that are are a part of the company. So that's a, a big thing in terms of just getting that some of that 360 feedback and um, and reminding them like, hey, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to support you? I, I don't look at it as, you know, how can you help me win? But what what can we do to work together? What are the goals that you're working on? And how can I help you be successful in that? How can I help you as a, you know, any uh, dreams that you're trying to achieve that you're trying to accomplish, you know, personally or professionally? How can I help you work towards those things? So that's definitely something uh, of staying well connected uh, and not just being some uh, emperor in the ivory tower that, that doesn't come out and interact with anybody, but um, staying connected with the people that I'm, I'm working with and close with. And then I think again, like, you know, having that, uh, a mentor coach and the, this mastermind of a couple other guys who can uh, call me out on stuff, who can um, speak truth into my life and areas where maybe I'm dropping the ball or uh, I need to do better. Um, these guys can, you know, give me feedback on that and help me, help me recognize or realize some of those blind spots. So what is the uh, the one you're working on at the moment? What's the behavior you're working on now, Grant, that you'd share with us in the spirit of openness? Yeah, a, a big one uh, um, from a couple of months ago uh, we touched on earlier was uh, as it relates to health. Um, and so uh, I started the year... And I've always felt like I can I can be pretty disciplined whenever it comes to eating and, and exercise and kind of like just in terms of maintaining. But uh, whenever it comes to like dropping weight, I, I needed to get a little bit more disciplined, tighten things up a little bit more. And so it got to a point where uh, I dropped, uh, it was like 10 or 15 pounds or so. And then I was just kind of like going through the motions. I knew that I needed to, to uh, go a little bit further. And so I, I had mentioned this to this coach of mine and uh, this was uh, back a couple months ago. And he said, okay, you've got 
uh, like six weeks or something. And he said, we were looking at the calendar and he said, you got six weeks. You need to, what do you want to be at? So I gave him a number and he said, you got to get to that weight in this time. And he just held my, my, my feet to the fire. And, and, uh, he was just like, you're, you're doing this. And, and just like, well, crap, well now, now I got to do it. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to let him down, but it was just like, all right, we got We got to get after it. And so there are times where, you know, I I'd want a, a bowl of ice cream or I'd want some type of candy or something. And I'm like, nah, I mean, that, that six week window is, is, uh, fastly closing. And I gotta, I gotta do my part here and, and make sure that I'm living up to the expectation. So that was one where, um, I mean, he definitely pushed me and challenged me and, uh, thankfully I was able to, to meet the goal before the deadline. Well, um, no, I find the whole area of the microbiome, our health, our wellness, longevity, a fascinating one. And that's the, about the next topic, uh, in my podcast I do each month with a uh, another podcast host, um, Graham Brown, and we're on to health quotient next. We're going to be talking about the kind of food you eat and the kind of training we do. He, he and I are both crazy long distance, uh, extreme sport uh, fanatics, uh, whether it be mountain marathons or the like. Um, the, the the last of the eight, before we go on to talk about teams and then your favorite book and then your two minute top tip would be uh, legacy. What would you like your legacy to be in your work and in your personal life? What would you like to say about you? when you die grant yeah i think uh i i definitely want my legacy to be around my family that hey that guy was a he was a fine entrepreneur he was a fine business owner whatever but that guy really loved his wife that guy really loved his daughters he really made an impact with them like that again and and hopefully i'm sure that that's come through at this point but that's the stuff that really is important to me and so again I, i love business i love entrepreneurship i love um what it has created for us but um, I want people to, to know that, um, and I especially want my, my wife and daughters to know that, uh, he loved us way more than he cared about, you know, business and accomplishments or achievement. You know, those things are fine. They've got their, their place, but, uh, ultimately his, his roles as a husband and father were the things that really mattered to him. Yeah. I love that. And, and thinking back to your health, I'm wearing an aura ring. I see you wearing a ring. Is it an aura ring as well? Uh, yeah. I, I got an aura ring myself, man. Okay. Got to track all that stuff. <laughs> How long have you been doing it now? Uh, the aura ring I've had for I don't know a couple of years now. Um, yeah, yeah. I use it to track sleep and and um, track uh, sleep is the main thing, but uh, just track you know uh, uh, how the how the day goes. I'm, I'm track. Uh, I got an Apple Watch as well that I use to track quite a bit of stuff. So um, yeah, got to got to keep track of all those things. That's right. It's very much a, um, a male thing. But having said that, my wife's got one. Has your wife got one? She does not have an aura ring. She has an uh, Apple Watch. Yeah. 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 No, actually, my wife it doesn't like much tech stuff. She she goes, whatever. She likes wearing a nice, a nice, a nice watch, but with not an Apple one anymore. She tried that. But she she's very happy with the aura ring because of the fact that it gives you those three things: the the sleep, the readiness, and um your activity. So it, it's good, actually. Um, executive teams. What what have you found as a top tip to get a high-performing team, particularly if if you want to raise the game, the team isn't quite performing. What what's your big tip for high performing? Yeah, the 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 biggest thing that I found that has worked really really well in our business, and we've had uh, significant growth in the past couple of years, uh, is I really believe in the old adage of hire good people and get out of the way. And so I, I really believe in that. We have a, a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, executive team and just uh, great people across the entire company. But part of my role is to create kind of the the direction of here's where we're going and here's the and a, the the culture uh, and here's kind of the, the boundaries. But uh, I don't micromanage our people. I don't get in the weeds on that stuff. Uh, we kind of said, hey, here's the targets. and But it's up to you to figure out what's the best possible way to get from point A to point B uh, in terms of, of, of the work that they're doing, the steps that they're taking. So yeah. 
yeah, I really, really believe in and have found uh, a lot of success uh, with that idea of hiring good people and 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 uh, give point them in the right direction and then let them let them do it from there. I would share that view. I think it's a, a wonderful approach, and uh, a lot of people say it, but then they end up micromanaging the people and they don't really uh, give away the stuff. They almost have a string attached to it. They keep pulling it back. They go, here right. you go, and they pull it back. But no, that's a great approach. Uh, favorite book on leadership that you've read recently that you thought was good and you recommend and why you'd recommend it? Yeah, a great book I, I really enjoy is a book called Rework. Um, it's by uh, Jason Fried and um, David uh, David Hanemeyer Hansen, I believe. I'm listening um, to I'm listening to it now. It's exactly oh, oh, yeah? it's, it's on my my audio book. Uh, that's awesome. This um, yeah, I mean it's a book that's a couple years old, but it's a, <laughs> it's a phenomenal book on just terms of how they view business and kind of an unorthodox way. Uh, and so I think that it's a lot of their ideas and kind of their philosophies on business. I really, really resonate with, and it's not something that you, you know, you, you got to work and grind for 60, 80 hours and kill yourself in the process. Like I, I don't subscribe to that and don't believe in that. Um, and so they, they say, Hey, we're going to, well, especially as it relates to entrepreneurship and business, like you get to design the rules of the game and what makes sense for you. And so, um, so for example, our entire company is a virtual company. I, I don't, I personally don't want to go to an office. I like being home. I like working from home. I like having that extra time that I can spend with my family. I don't want to commute somewhere. And so, uh, everybody, uh, works from home. We're an entirely virtual company. And so I think just some of their, again, unorthodox approaches that they have to business have really, have really resonated with me. Yeah. Isn't it less mass? What's that? And what are his tips in the book? Don't gather too much mass. People that they, they they grow and they they get more and more people, and then those people need people working for them. Yeah. And soon your expenses spill out of ex out of control. Less mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. A very good bit of advice. Great. Let's do the the final two minute top tip. If you just kindly um, introduce yourself, tell the audience what you do. This will stand in its own right as well as being part of this, but. Grant, please give us your two-minute leadership top tip. Yeah, the uh, the two-minute leadership tip, uh, I would say, would be um, one of the things we touched on earlier, that idea that who you are is more important than what you do. And so treat people like people. And so they're not a, a cog in a system. They're not just there for your benefit or your gain, but have a genuine care and interest in people, not a faked one. People can tell the difference between people who are, are – uh, are authentic and genuine and actually care and give a crap about them versus people who are just uh, doing that as part of a, a song and dance and kind of a, a show. And so I think that the best thing that you can do is really care about people, really show uh, care, compassion, uh, concern for people and invest into their lives. You do that in terms of uh, a business and life and uh, people I think recognize that and value that. Well, that's exactly what I'd agree with. Grant Baldwin, thank you very much indeed for being on the Inspiring Leadership Podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And stay on the line. We'll uh, carry on the chat. But Grant, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. 
It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.